And if you think of a conversation like a game of tennis, you know, your job is to hit the ball back over the net so they have to reply. You don't want to just like slam it into the net and think, there we go, points complete. You're listening to Three Marketers Walk Into a Podcast, episode 25. You're listening to Three Marketers Walk Into a Podcast, brought to you by the fine folks at Response Suite. Boom. I thought I had to do like a little cool, like mysterious voice at the end of that intro there. What do you think of it? Interesting. <laughs> Different. Today we're talking about sales. We are selling things. Selling stuff, even on the internet or across the stage or whatever it might be. What's really interesting for me is I read sales books all the way back when, when I was like a student, I was interested in the psychology of selling. But what's really interesting about it is the amount of stuff we can learn as marketers, because basically most marketing is sales in print. Is it not like copywriting is often referred to as sales in print and that kind of thing? Yeah, absolutely. And I think there are some essential skills, even if like me, you never want to stand and directly sell somebody something. I don't want to stand here and sell something. It's just not my bag. I think the skills that you can learn and pluck out of that and apply into your everyday marketing stuff are really important. So by now, the listeners are bounds to want to know more. Oh my goodness. Did you just do an Andy Bounds pun? I just did an Andy That's Bounds. That's exciting. We've been speaking to Andy Bounds this week. Andy is a really highly respected sales trainer and keynote speaker. He works all around the world. We were lucky enough to catch up with him. But before we get into that interview, of course, we've got to do a commercial. If you haven't already, grab yourself a 14-day trial of Response Suite to see how you can use surveys to segment your email marketing and deliver more personalized messages to every single person on your list and thus get a much better engagement and of course make more sales then you should probably do that right now over at responsesuite.com 14 day free trial bang on it and have a have a little play around and that'll be grand there we go there we are so shall we speak to andy let's do it mr andy bounds welcome to three marketers walk into a podcast how you doing yeah very good thank you how are you Pleasure to have Do, you here. Yeah, we're doing Very great. And we're re- I'm really excited. I mean, uh, yeah, really excited. Really excited. So let's talk about sales. All right. Let's talk <laughs> about sales. What a good subject to ask Andy Bounds about. Sales. <laughs> I like that. You see, here's the thing, right? Everybody hates being sold at, don't we? Right? Everybody, everyone in the world, I think, hates being sold at. So how do you kind of mentally overcome the fact that you're about to go and do something to somebody that we all hate being done to us? Well, that's a great question. And it's a funny thing about sales because, yes, everyone hates being sold at by rubbish salespeople in a rubbish way. But actually, most people I know loved being sold with in a way they really like. So the other day, I wanted to buy a present for the kids. I was with the kids and we went into the Lego store and I wasn't quite sure what to buy. And there was this dead helpful person there, had a quick chat with her. Five minutes later, I bought something the kids wanted. The kids were delighted. They thought I was better than they think their mum is. So therefore, that's important (laughs) for me. Um, And uh, so it was was all really good. Now, uh, if you think about it, the Lego person made a sale, but I didn't see it as that. I just thought my kids are happy and I'm happy and my wife is not happy. So therefore, every box is ticked. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> and uh and so this is a thing like um technically the lego person made a sale but i didn't feel sold at i felt helped and the thing to remember when you're selling is your job is not to sell at someone because everybody hates that your job is to help people in such a way that they go wow i would gladly give you a bit of money for that because that is enhancing my life so selling is lovely if it's done in a lovely way. That's really interesting. Okay, and that's a really good way of sort of, if you get that into your, into your mind, like, you know, I'm not going to go out there and sell. I'm going to go out and help some people overcome the problem they're currently facing. In your case, it was obviously, what on earth do I buy my kids or what's going to be the best solution or whatever, or if it's a program or a course, that's going to be that. So 
obviously when most people dislike salespeople, that's because salespeople have generally build up this reputation. What do you think that sort of boils down to? What are most of these selling kind of salespeople doing wrong? Oh, God, well, <laughs> we, where do you start? Do you want me to talk for? <laughs> um, basically, the, it's a strange thing. If you think what you like in a conversation, um, bad salespeople often do the opposite of it. So what do I like in a conversation? I like it to be two-way. You know, I like to be asked some questions. Well, some salespeople don't ask any questions. I like to be treated with respect, and sometimes salespeople don't treat you with respect. I like to be made to feel special, and sometimes I think I'm just someone who you're trying to hit your number with. And I like to think the people I'm talking to give a toss about me. And sometimes salespeople clearly don't give a toss. Uh, I like people to listen to me and respect me. And sometimes salespeople don't. So selling is just conversation, really. I mean, that's all it is. Um, but for some reason, sometimes people go in a sales mode and they turn into this tosser that they aren't normally. And so the thing to do is basically be normal, be nice, be interested, find stuff out, don't be an idiot. And people enjoy the conversation, but unfortunately, some people don't remember that. Yeah, it's really it is hard, and I think especially when you're sort of you've seen sort of so much bad sales in your life, you think, oh well, that's that's the way sales is done, isn't it? Like you just keep talking and barking at people, and then you overcome every objection in some kind of aggressive way, and eventually they'll just submit. They're going, okay, just just leave me alone, and the only way to leave leave me alone is hand me your money, which is horrific. Yeah, I think the key is to try and stop somebody feeling that they're trapped in a situation. Yeah, it's the same thing that stops you wanting to like stop and talk at the salespeople who are in the middle of shopping centers. Oh, that thing! Oh, who does he cast electricity? Oh, bugger off! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so when when you're about to kind of go out and start a sales process, whether that's walking out on stage and selling to a room of people, maybe it's you know knocking on people's doors and going around door to door. Uh, maybe you know whatever you just be. do your own sound effect on the I desk did, yeah <laughs> it reminded me of that old joke about um the, the door-to-door door salesman where he wanders around and goes oh you've got one yeah. <laughs> it's one of my favorite jokes um so yeah so when you're gonna go out and you're gonna do some selling what is the kind of the best mental zone to be in what, what's the kind of mindset the headspace you need to get into in order to be most effective when it comes to being a good salesperson that both a gets a result and b people like um, well, I mean, there's various ones, but the one that I find and my customers find works best is the one word, which is afters. And what I mean by this is uh, customers don't really care what you do. They care why they're better off after you've done it. You know, so when people come to me, they don't really want me or my stuff or my content. But after me, they sell a lot more. So they don't want me. They want more sales. And like we know with, with marketers and so on, um, People don't want the marketers or the agency. What they want is more leads and higher profile and so on. When you go and see a lawyer, you don't want a lawyer. What you want is not to go to jail. You know, when you see an accountant, you don't want an accountant. What you want is to pay less tax. So no one ever wants what we do. They want why they're better off after we've done it. So if someone gets in contact with me and says, can you help our business? I, I always say, well, I'd like to think so. But do you mind if I ask you a couple of questions just so I can see what you're after here? And they say yes. And I say, well, you know, tell me who are you looking to um, improve? What, what's the challenge? What's the problem? You know, and four or five questions down the line, I might find out that they're losing business they ought to win because they have a very aggressive competitor who's undercutting them on price all the time. And so what they want is they just want new confidence, new scripts, a new mentality. But ultimately afterwards, they want more sales. Um, and so once you know that, you then work backwards from these afters and say, well, I can help you do that. Can we just have a chat about what that might look like? 
But by then they're thinking, cool, I'm quite happy to listen to Andy Bounds and his stuff because we're now both talking about the thing that matters to me, which is stopping my salespeople losing stuff they should be winning. So your number one job when you speak to a customer is to find out their afters. In other words, where do they want to be after you? What is the happy future place they want? The minute you talk about yourself and your past, you're talking about the wrong thing. You want to be talking about them and their future. That's a really good mental shift, isn't it? In terms of like the actual attitude themselves, in terms of the best mental zone, you know, if I, let's say I wake up this morning, I know I've got to have some conversations with people who might be interested, for example, in our software product. What's the best sort of attitude to have when we go into that presentation or that meeting? So for example, one, one attitude might be that I need to focus on my confidence and come across they're really strong or that obviously some salespeople come from a place of obviously desperation or, or real need. What's that sort of the best approach to have? What's that best internal, I don't know, feeling? The, well, it's a similar answer to the last one. The thing to focus on always is thereafter. So let's say you think they might want your software, but you don't know. The mindset always have, the one thing to focus on is, I need to find out where the customer wants to be in the future. That's it. So it's the same answer as the previous question, but let me just explain it with the example you've given here. Sure. So if you go in saying, I've got some software, sit down, shut up and look at this demo, there's a chance <laughs> they might find that irritating selling. But if you talk to someone and say, just tell me a bit about your business. Is it growing at the speed you'd like? Have you got enough um, things, new prospects coming into your business? Are your salespeople as busy as you want them to be? And if, they find, if you find out there's a couple of challenges, then what that basically means is afterwards, you know, in the future, they want those challenges to go. So what you then do is you can then say, well, look, I've got someone here that I think might be able to help. It's this software package. When I work with someone else, we found their leads doubled in the space of three weeks or whatever it is. Sure. So the thing to focus on, yes, it's afters, but also how do you find someone else's afters is by asking really good questions, like really good questions. So if you want the mindset, think afters. If you want to know what the technique is, prepare questions before you go in. Nobody does it. Let me say it again because nobody does it. When you go into a meeting, the thing to prepare is not, what am I going to say? The thing to prepare is, what am I going to ask to find stuff out? I'm writing that down. That's absolutely massive. And it, do you know what it is? It's really interesting. That ties together perfectly with the, that attitude of helpfulness. Just basically going in there, how can I be most helpful is absolutely huge. I mean, if you think about it, when people come into a, a to be sold at, uh, you know, when, you, when somebody comes into a meeting and, you know, maybe they're going to buy a car or whatever, if you start selling at them without asking any questions, they're automatically going to feel like, well, this guy doesn't know, this girl doesn't know anything about me. Like they, haven't yeah. asked, they, they don't know my situation. If our listeners, I know many of you run high, ticket coaching programs where that that involves some kind of consultancy call where they get on the call with you and you or, or one of your team and that they they're qualified and then they and you take the sale again it's about looking at what that transformation that you want to get people to it's absolutely massive yeah so i mean let's use the example of um uh, coaching here um so if uh, so so i always start with the afters as i might have mentioned i'll try not to keep banging on about this for the whole no, like, time of the podcast but um uh, the, the three-step program I teach my clients, because it's dead easy, it doesn't matter how stressed you are in a meeting, you can always remember it, it's what I call my ABC, afters, build certainty and close. So the first thing is to find the afters by asking questions. Then you build certainty to say, look, I can help you with that because, so you provide evidence you can deliver those afters, and then see so you close it off and basically ask if they want to work with you. So for example, with the coaching program, um, what you might do is you might say, so tell me a bit about your team, and they have a bit of a chat, and then you start going towards the future because that's where the afters are. So if your team could just do one or two things differently, what would that be? You know, if you could put a magic hat on 
and just watch your team behave in the perfect way, what would you see? If there was one thing you could take away from your team, what would it be? If, you, if your team talk about you behind your back, what would you love to hear them say? You know, so you ask really good, rich questions and find this stuff out. Then when you find this out, that gives you the A, that gives you the afters. You then build certainty and say, well, as um, a coach, I can absolutely help you achieve those things you've just said. For example, when I work with company X, and now you're doing the B, you're building certainty. So you maybe tell a story when you've done it before. Um, Maybe you run through what the coaching program might look like. And then the customer carries on talking and chipping in and you ask them questions. And then C, at the end, you close it off and you say something like, you know, so based on our conversation, I feel utterly convinced I can help you achieve those things you've said. And I think there's a couple of ways we could do this. We could either do this way, we could do this way. I mean, what what are you thinking? And so that's the perfect way of doing ABC. So A, you ask insightful questions to find the afters. You then build certainty by telling them stories and running through what it might look like. And then C, you close it off by saying something like we've got a couple of options, which sounds best. Now that might take four hours in Starbucks. It might take 20 minutes, but that's the process. A, then B, then C. So, Andy, we're going to play a little game right now. Very simple. It's a true or false game. We're going to read a number of statements to you, and then you are going to tell us whether you think they are true or false. So, statement number one, 68% of buyers now kick off their buying process with a referral. False. Okay, and the answer is... You're correct. It is false, actually. It's much higher than that. It's 84% of people say they actually start off in that, in that whole buying process with a referral. Mm. It's, 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 it's true that it's false. Oh, that's uh, next, research shows that 35 to 50% of sales go to the vendor that responds first. Ooh, that's a good one. It would depend on the sector. I would guess that could be true, actually. Yeah, I'm going to guess true. It shouldn't be, but it might be. He's good. He's very good. That's another yes. <laughs> it's a true one, and it's the, it's the right answer. Okay, here's your third one. Let's, let's see if we can trip you up on this one. Mm-hmm. Email marketing has two times higher return than cold calling. Oh, I would imagine that's false. I would imagine it'd be higher than that. The answer is... Oh, I'm afraid you missed that one. We did catch it out. It was true, that one. It is double. It, it has double the results. Email marketing over cold calling. Two out of three ain't bad. I might not have said that, but we all know what I meant. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Amazing. Here's a question. Obviously, one of the things we've talked about so far is that kind of process, that structure of, of selling. How does it differ? How do you change that if you're selling from changing from one-to-one sales to maybe one-to-many sales? So maybe you're doing like a live online webinar or maybe you're speaking at a conference, but either way, selling, how does it differ when you're just selling one-to-one or one-to-maybe a couple uh, as opposed to one-to-many? Well, one-to-one is easier in a way because you can ask questions if you're doing one to many on a webinar it's harder to ask questions so then what you have to do is you have to maybe do some research beforehand ask around whatever and work out what their main afters are likely to be so what you might say at the end is something like you know now we've gone through this i'm sure you'll have more questions about either how to get more leads in or how to accelerate leads through your pipeline or how to close the leads. So if you like, those three afters are quite typical of what someone might want. So you say, and if you want more guidance on any of them, let me tell you how I can help you after today. Because I don't want you to think when the webinar stops, my help stops. 
So let me show you some options for how I can help you after today. So it's very similar in that you talk about the afters, but this time you can't ask questions because it's one to many. So you have to sort of throw a few typical afters up there. That's interesting. So it's literally about understanding the people, isn't it? And obviously one of the big things where obviously massive advocates of is running surveys. Because uh, that's what we do here. So one of the things we do when we're running webinars or any kind of group program, or, and even one-to-one, is we run surveys to find out pertinent information about people so we can make the correct offer and almost assume those questions and, and address them. So when we go into one of those conversations, what are the sort of ideal pieces or key pieces of information that we really should have in order to be able to be most effective and efficient before we even start? So it's all a question of finding out what people want. People are highly motivated by their own self-interest. And they're not motivated by like what you think particularly. They're motivated by what interests them. I mean, a very simple way to look at this is want and need. People are motivated by what they want more than what they need. Um, so anyone who's seen a picture of me will know that I need a wig because I have no hair. But I don't want any hair. Hair's not been very kind to me. It fell out when I was about 20. So if a wig salesperson came in the room, they would probably gravitate to me because they think, oh, he needs hair. But I don't want it. And weirdly, my wife, who has this lovely, luscious, long blonde hair, she'd be more interested in talking to a wig salesperson because she might like to change her hair color for the day. So the thing is, what we want to find out is we want to find what people want, not what they need. So your questions have to be things like, what would you most like to have in your business that you don't have at the minute? You know, if you could wave a magic wand and something happened, what would it be? If your customers took one action, what would you want to see? So you want words like want or wish or desire. If ever you ask a question like, what does your business need? I mean, I probably need somebody to do some analysis of my IT, but it just sounds so boring. I can't even finish the question. <laughs> <laughs> what, what does your business want? That's, what, that's the big focus, isn't it? Absolutely. And then it's a question of really diligently preparing some good questions. So when I say prepare questions, everyone always goes, oh, yes, of course, prepare questions. But nobody does it. And I bet there are some people listening to this going, yeah, that's a good idea. And I bet I'd do that. But you don't. If you ask pretty much anyone in the world, do you think you're above average at asking questions? Everyone says, well, yeah, of course I am. But let me just tell you how averages work. Half of the world is below average because that's what an average is. (laughs) So half the people listening to the three of us have a bit of a rant here. Sorry, everyone. Half of you are worse than average. So if you think you're better than average at asking questions, it's worth just thinking, how often have you sat down and diligently, properly thought, what am I going to ask here? I'll give you an example of the type of question I mean. If I get asked to speak at a conference, it's very, and they always say, do your pitch. Why should we hire you? We've got three or four other speakers. Why should we hire you? I mean, I always say, well, can I just ask you a couple of questions? Because then I can give you some relevant information about me. So, of course, they're going to say yes. They're not going to say, no, it's all right, Andy. Be irrelevant. So, um, and the question I always ask is, this conference we're talking about, obviously, it's going to have an impact on your organization. How long an impact do you want it to have? Now, that's a brilliant question because they always, without fail, go, what do you mean? And say, well, there are three types of conference. There's the Happy Sheet Conference, where everyone has a glorious day and thinks the speaker was hilarious. You have the actions conference where maybe a couple of people do a couple of actions the next day. Or you have the habit change conference where six months down the line, everyone is still behaving differently because of the amazing conference you had. So I just wonder what what type of impact you want this conference to have. Now, that's what I mean about a brilliant question, because you can tell as I I say this exactly what goes through their minds. They're thinking, ah, right. (laughs) I actually didn't realize this, but I was thinking it was going to be a happy sheet conference 
But now Andy said that, I actually want a habit change conference. But because I've asked that question and no other speaker did, it instantly elevates me in their eyes for no other reason than the quality of the question. They still don't know anything about me, but I've got them thinking. So that's what I mean by high quality question, not the what keeps you awake at night, because people usually just say, my baby, why'd you ask? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've come to work for a rest you know that's massive Andy because uh, Rob and I both uh, speak at lots of events and present a lot of stuff and that is a massive question for anybody uh, who's listening who's not already speaking at events for most people becoming an expert in any, any industry to get yourself to that upper echelon what you really need to be doing is speaking at events and that is a massive question to be asking that's killer now there's a bunch of people who listen to this who probably don't do any direct sales so they've got an online business they're selling courses or products or e-com or whatever they're not doing any direct sales they never pick up the phone or speak face to face with somebody to sell but what are the kind of skills the key skills of a talented salesperson that we can inject into our day-to-day marketing materials okay well the the abc still holds um, so uh, always lead with the afters. So you never start off with, we have got a software product. So you lead with something like, are you fed up with having to work in your business at eight o'clock at night when you really want to be resting or something like that? You know, so you go for what people want. Um, do you see your kids enough? I saw a really good advert. I think it was for a watch at an airport recently. I'd not seen my family for a couple of days just because my job has lots of traveling. And there was this really brilliant advertising headline which said, are you feeling a bit of a guilty parent at the minute? Thought, <laughs> yeah, you bastards. Yes. <laughs> and it was perfect. And I couldn't help but look at it. Now, it was for um, this watch, and it was a really nice watch and all that stuff. But if they'd said, here's a picture of a watch, I wouldn't have looked at it. It's boring. I don't care. So, um, so what you want is you want the after seat. You've got to have stuff that attracts people early on. You then be, you build certainty during the stuff, and then you have to close it off. So, for example, if you have a web page, there has to be a call to action at the bottom. You know, so in effect, you say, um, click here um, if you want more or click here so you can get this quickly or click here to do this. So there has to be a call to action. Now, it's one of those that sounds really obvious, but here's a bit of homework for anyone listening to this. Have a look at the most recent sales thing you've done, whether it's an online page or a proposal you sent or an email you sent, and have a look at the last line and see if it actually asks someone to do something. So if you end an email with saying, please, can you hit reply and, then you're asking them to do something. But if the final line of your email says, should you have any questions, please don't hesitate to call, well, they'll hesitate. They won't call. So there (laughs) always has to be a call to action, a call to arms at the end, whether you're writing online selling that way or whether you're talking verbally or whether you do proposals, you always have to ask someone to do something or they won't. It's really, it's great. Really and the amount of times, especially when like following up with people you've met maybe at conferences and events when you're just sort of sending an email which says, hey, it was really nice to meet you or you're just doing that general, gentle follow-up. How many times do you not sign off that email with actually telling them what to do and just say, hey, anyway, it was nice to see you. Let's speak soon. What the hell does that even mean? <laughs> yeah, well, it doesn't cause anything. It's perfectly nice. You know, it's nice. Sure. But it doesn't cause anything. So it's pointless. Um, so you can be nice. It's like people are often nice because they say things like, Thank you so much for spending the time. I know how busy you are. And they think it sounds nice. And it does sound nice, but it also sounds a bit deferential to me. You know, if I go into a, a mega client and a mega CEO and say, thank you for sparing the time, straight away, the CEO subconsciously thinks, you think you are beneath me in a way. It's a bit deferential. Um, whereas if I go in and say something equally polite, which says, um, I've been looking forward to our meeting. How are you today? Well, that's much more joint. So what we want to do is we want to make sure that we're really careful how we 
follow up. We can still be polite, but that doesn't mean we have to be deferential. So if you say it was lovely to meet you yesterday, the only reply you're going to get is, yes, it was. Goodbye. <laughs> that's the end of the conversation, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. And it's nice, but nothing happens. But if you follow it up and say something like, I really enjoyed our meeting. And since we spoke yesterday, I thought of a couple of new things that you'll find helpful. Please, could you hit reply and tell me when you're around this week or next? And we can just grab five minutes on the phone. I can share it with you. So straight away, the person there doesn't think you're being impolite because you didn't say thank you for your time. They think you're being charming because not only... Did you say you had a nice chat? But also you've reflected on the chat since then. You've thought of a couple of new things and you're offering to tell them free. I mean, that's packed with niceness. And also, people are generally quite nosy. So if you say, I've thought of a couple of new things you'll find helpful, it's very hard to say, no, don't ring me up. Yeah, it's really tricky. I think one of the things you sort of of touched on there, maybe we can unpack a little bit, is the idea of keeping the conversation open and keeping it going rather than dead-ending it into some kind of weird conversational cul-de-sac where you go, that was lovely, bye, and then there's there's nowhere for them to go when they're stuck. You you keep it going, don't you? You keep it open. Oh, I've got a bit more. It's almost always asking for that reply, isn't it? It is, yeah. Um, and if you think of a conversation like a game of tennis, you know, your job is to hit the ball back over the net so they have to reply. You don't want to just like slam it into the net and think, there we go, points complete because you've lost the point. Now, Andy, we're going to take a little brief interlude here and we're going to play a little game. It's a very important game. It's a very important game, yeah. And uh, here's how it works. So uh, my, <laughs> my colleague Kennedy here. Hello. That's him. Uh, he's going to sing a song. Uh, and uh, it's, it's a song I've selected. He gets no say whatsoever in what the song is. I uh, wish I'd I did. I choose much better songs. <laughs> I've chosen it. It's a well-known song. Everyone, I think, will have heard of it. And uh, basically, he's going to sing it, but he's going to sing it in the style of a traditional British club singer. And so that means the words may be somewhat confused and disguised. Indeed. And uh, your job at the end of his little performance is to try and work out what the song is, okay? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so uh, Kennedy, uh, take it away. <laughs> Um, well, firstly, congratulations on frankly beautiful piece of music. I'm not actually quite sure. I'm, I, why don't I just say something which it clearly isn't? Is it God Save the Queen? It's not God Save the Queen. So close! So dragging this back onto some kind of uh, conversational level, because we're talking about sales conversations, and, 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 and so far we're really talking about keeping those plates keeping those plates spinning. But let's say if someone isn't getting the results they're, they're, or, the converse, or the conversion that they'd like to be getting from the sales conversations they're having, what are the things that you would say, zoom in, focus in on these things? These are some of the bad habits that people have generally picked up. These are the things that are generally tripping people up and, and stopping them getting the results that they want to be getting. Which things should we examine first, Andy? No, well, we can, we can do either of those. So um, if sales aren't going as you would like, um, that is because of one of two things, um, maybe three, but certainly two. Either number one, you aren't seeing enough potential customers, uh, or number two, you are seeing enough, but you're not good enough at closing them. So, that's, so if you want that in less words, you want to either open more doors or close more sales. And that's all sales is, like see more people, sell more stuff. Uh, a good question to ask yourself is, if you're not getting the sales you want, ask yourself, hand on heart, am I seeing enough opportunities here? Or I am, but I'm not closing them. Uh, now, if you are not closing them enough, that's the second one, that's where my ABC will come in. 
So work more on asking questions to find the afters out, work more on building certainty and make sure every single time you finish everything, you always close it with a call to action. So say, what should we do next? So that's how to close more sales. The other one, if you're not seeing enough people, well, you've got to go and see more people. There's various ways that you can do this, but almost always the easiest way to do it is to use your personal network. So selling to strangers is notoriously hard. It's not impossible. And like I didn't know that Lego person, but he sold beautifully to me. But it's not it's not impossible. But it was helped because I'm not a stranger to Lego, obviously. But if you're selling to strangers, it's it's very hard. So what I do if I want to sell to somebody called Janice, and I don't know Janice, is I go on LinkedIn and I look at Janice's profile. And if I look at Janice's profile, on there, there's a thing LinkedIn calls mutual connections, which is people both Janice and I know. And I look down this list of mutual connections, and let's say there's 10 of them. I think, which of these 10 do I like best? And let's say it's number seven. And let's say number seven's you, Kennedy. Then all I do is I give you, Kennedy, a ring and say, hey, Kennedy, how are you? Chit chat, chit chat. And then I say, listen, I was looking on LinkedIn the other day, and I saw that you know Janice, and I want to speak to her, but I don't know her. Would you mind email introducing me? And you go, yeah, it's fine. Then you email introduce me. Then I get in contact with Janice and say, hi, Janice. Kennedy suggested we have a chat. Is now okay with you. She says yes. And I've opened a door by doing no work mm. and no effort and no grief. And it's not hard. Um, yeah, so- you're not just sending another inbox message on LinkedIn going, hello, here's three reasons our company can help you. Oh, yeah, I hate that. I mean, the odds of it work. I mean, it's not, it's not nil. I mean, it must work more than never, but it's, it's notoriously hard to do this. Yeah. Um, and then it always ends with, should I call you tomorrow or the day afterwards? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, how about neither? <laughs> <laughs> which brings us on to actually the next thing I wanted to ask you, which is about those closing techniques. We talked about that assumptive close and the, the option either or close. Do they fit into the sales process anymore? Is that a good thing to do for closing the sale at the very end there? Or are they sort of stuck in the 90s with your door-to-door encyclopedia salesman? Well, they can work if they're done well. Um, um, and just because they're old doesn't mean they're rubbish. Like, you know, some of um, our favorite films in our house are some of the early Walt Disney ones, which he did in the sort of 30s, 40s, 50s, you know, they're sort of 70, 80 years old, and they're dead good. Um, so old doesn't mean rubbish, but it does mean we just need to be careful how we do it. Offering options is, is, is often a good idea because that way you're giving a customer a choice of yeses. So if you say to a customer, shall we meet again? They might say no, because that's yes or no. But if you say, when do you think we should meet again? Well, it's very hard for them to say never. So just yeah. putting the question word in, rather than shall we meet again, when should we meet again? Or where should we meet next time? Or how should we meet next time? Should we do face-to-face or on the phone? Who should we bring with us next time? All these questions, they're, they're quite assumptive. But I often find that it, they don't really do any harm. Um, and they're what I would call, you're offering options, but you don't necessarily close it down. You don't say, when should we meet? Today or tomorrow? You know, you go, when do you want to meet again? Uh, and if they say, I don't know, next week, if you think I can cope with that, so that's fine. If they say, well, in a month, you say, okay, we can. And um, just so you know, though, I'd have got a bit of capacity in the next couple of weeks. Would that be too soon for you? Or would you prefer it in a month? And so you're always able to come back and offer options, but it's nice and it's chatty and it's friendly. Another great closing technique, my favorite closing technique, is to ask their advice. Because people are very wedded to things they've come up with. So um, if I've had a conversation with a customer and it seems to be going very well, and really I'm in close mode, I just say, um, so based on our conversation so far, um, do you feel we're doing okay? Have you got any concerns? 
And if they say they have, I always say, well, I'm glad I asked. What are they? Uh, and I and ask them what they're worried about. Yeah. Uh, if they say they don't have any concerns, then I use the word advise and I just say, okay, great. So what would you advise we do as next steps? And it's so gentle. And it's clearly a question which ends in a question mark. In our game of tennis, I've clearly hit the ball over the net to them. And I just sit there and count to three or four in my head while they have a think about what they want to do next. And what will happen is they'll either say, or should we get something in the diary, which is what I wanted to say, but they've said it, so they're more committed to it. Or they might say, um, I don't know, what do you recommend? But then they're asking me. So that gives me permission to say, well, should we put something in the diary? Right. So it's a very simple closing technique. And closing sounds like it's a nasty bastard thing you're doing to get someone to say yes. It's not. Somebody has to take responsibility for saying, you don't have concerns. I don't have concerns. So there has to be a next step. So it's within my gift to say, what would you like to do next? That's not being nasty. That's being nice. It's like if the Lego person had not said, so which of these do you want? We might have walked out of the house and my kids would have been unhappy. You know, so it's, it's okay to ask, what do you advise we do next? Very, very cool. Now, Andy, we're going to roll over into what we lovingly refer to as the quick fire round. Okay. You don't want to miss out on more of these fabulous nuggets, do you? Make sure you subscribe to the Three Marketers Podcast now on your podcast player. So, Andy, what would be a book you'd recommend? I know you've, you've written some fabulous ones, but somebody else's. Um, so my uh, favorite book at the minute is one I've read. It's the only book I've read it once. I liked it so much. I had a cup of tea, then started reading it again. It's called This Is Going To Hurt by Adam Kay. Uh, and Adam <laughs> Kay was, uh, it's hilarious. It's really funny. But it's also, it's the only book that made me laugh, cry laughing and also cry because I was sad because he used to work as a uh, doctor. And so it's like what it's like being a junior doctor in the NHS. And he's hilarious. I mean, he's a stand-up comedian now and he writes comedy scripts for telly. So he's clearly funny. But also, obviously, you're a doctor. So there's some harrowing stuff in there as well. So this is quick fire round, isn't it? So by that, this is going to hurt by Adam Kay. Dead good. Excellent. What is your top success habit? Something that maybe you do daily or weekly? Um, I, at the end of every day, I have a diary entry which reminds me to do all the actions of everything that I've done today. So if there's a follow-up email, I send it. If I need to remember to chase someone next Wednesday, I put a diary entry in next Wednesday. So without fail, every day, I can't leave work until I have done or I've diarized every single action following every single thing I've done all day. And I never, ever forget anything, ever, because of that. (laughs) Okay, who do you look up to? Uh, My parents. And what are your favorite apps that you think are super cool right now? Hmm. I don't know if I class as cool, um, but my, the one I use most is one called Document Direct. Um, I'm a big believer in save as much time as you can. I'm not very quick at typing, but I'm very quick at speaking. So what Document Direct app does is you can, it's basically a dictaphone app. You can talk into it uh, and then you press send. And then it goes away to some magic typing elves. I think that's how it works. (laughs) And then I go and have my next meeting. And then when I come back, I've had my dictaphone sent to me. So like follow up for this, um, I'll have a couple of emails to send, no doubt. So I'll just dictate them maybe on the way to get a drink or on the way to the toilet or something like that. And then the elves type it while I do my next call. And all of a sudden you get an email. So I find Document Direct my favorite app. Really important question. Who do you like more, Rob or Kennedy? Oh, Kennedy, by a mile. Yes, that was the right answer. Oh, the tally on the board's looking ever so nice. And uh, finally, where can folks go to find out more about you, Andy? Um, So a couple of places. Um, uh, I love hearing from people with questions, so they can email me at any time. So it's just andy at andybounds.com. 
Um, so I always answer my own stuff. Nobody else does. So if you've got any questions about sales or you want to talk about anything we talked about, Andy at andybounds.com. Um, if you want to hear some more of my stuff, uh, I've got an online sales video training thing uh, called andyboundsonline.com. Uh, and there's loads of videos there, like how to go networking and how to write proposals and how to do sales presentations and how to close the sale and stuff like that. So if you want more advice, Andy Bounds online for the videos. And if you just want to ask me some stuff, just my email, andyandybounds.com. Excellent. So now let's put you out of your misery as to what on earth I was singing just a few moments ago. Yes, indeed. The song was, drum roll, it was uh, Dolly Parton, 9 to 5. Oh, that was my second choice behind God Save the Queen. No way. <laughs> Here's how it should have sounded. Andy, thank you so much for taking time to come and join us and our listeners. There's been a ton of value in there. That was awesome. We've thank made you, man. Pages of notes. Tons of it. Thank you so much. No, you're very welcome. All the best, everyone. So there we go. A bunch of really important lessons when it comes to selling stuff efficiently and effectively without people hating you, which is always always important. It's all about looking at those afters. What are, where do they want to get to and understand what they want to call, as, as Andy calls them, afters? Yeah, I think that's really important. So many people, and I've been guilty of it myself, when they're talking about something that they do to a potential customer, is you end up talking too much about yourself. And I think it's because you've been in love with the product. I know back in the first, in the early days of Response Week, when we demoed them on, online with people, we would show them the features. Oh, it does this, and you can build a report, and you can do conditional logic, and all that's great, but it's features. And you're so in love with those little features that it's easy to get wrapped up in that because you helped implement them or whatever it might be. Like, how many membership programs do you see where they're like, and you get a video every month exactly and you get do you know what I mean like, I don't care I don't want a video every month what I want to get <laughs> is results what's the result I'm going to get yeah so I think that's a really important lesson that actually people probably don't realise they're making that mistake every single sales process you've got, there's probably that mistake cropping up and you don't realize it. But hopefully you can kind of use this information to go back over everything that you're doing and see how you can impl- implement it and improve it. Now, of course, if you've missed any of the stuff from today's episode, you can check it out at the show notes, which you'll find at blog.responsesuite.com forward slash 025. Now, speaking of sales, Kennedy, if you were to try and sell me Response Suite, where would you tell me to go? I've got to tell you, you should probably go over to responsesuite.com right now. And what we've done, Robert, is we've removed any risk or whatsoever, whether you're moving from another survey provider or not, and you can just have a 14-day free trial, have a play with it, and see why so many other people are making that switch. No monkeying around, just a 14-day free trial. You can sign up at responsesuite.com. <laughs> Don't miss a thing. Check out the show notes at blog.responsesuite.com.